The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to, uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Ben Split Bubba, episode 354. Have a uh, friend of the show, returning guest, joining us this evening. He's uh, You don't need a big introduction, but everybody knows who this man is. He deserves a big introduction. He is the creator of TGFBI. He is the, uh, one of the co-founders, I guess, or he runs it now of BARF, uh, thanks to Laura Michaels and everything there. He is on the Sleeper in the Bust, Friends with Fancy Benefits, Rotographs. He's might as well be on RotoWare, for all we know. He does it all, and... Danielle is in charge. So joining me tonight, you can find him on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Justin, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. It's always good to sit down and talk with you. I feel yeah. like it's been too long mm-hmm. since we've been in person together, right? So we didn't get barf this year in person. Uh, and I just, yeah, I miss I miss you, buddy. I miss you too. It's uh, barf is literally like well, live drafts are always great to begin with. That's mm-hmm. like, but barf it's it's different. It's just like it's fun. We sit there and we kind of like 
compare notes and see see how things are going. And you know, you know, Danielle's a part of it. It's just a whole like family little atmosphere. So it's a, it's a great time, and it it is a shame. It's a little over a year now since that took place. So. All things, you know, keep crossing our fingers. We will be there next – maybe for football this year. Maybe football. You never know. I, I have very little faith in humanity in general. Yep. So, um, it seems unlikely, but I would love it. I mean, yep. whether it's bar for Arizona, Arizona Fall League or – you're in tout now. So, like, yeah. you can come out to New York with me yep. uh, and, and you know, and uh, and party out there with us. That'll, that'll be a blast. So, uh it's got to be something, though, man. I do. I miss the – like, it's great to talk to people on podcasts. It's great mm-hmm. to chop it up on Twitter. But there is something missing, and I do miss that kind of human connection. Yeah, no, Arizona, I think – well, we know Arizona will be open. It's just a matter of are we having the <laughs> – uh, <laughs> are we having the, the fall league mm-hmm. and everything. So um, we'll definitely have to do that because that was literally the last thing I did before this happened. I went to the Waste Management Open. I was down in Scottsdale for a meeting. They took us to the Management Open. I recorded a live podcast with Bogman. That was pretty much the last time I interacted with a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know I know what you're saying. But uh, before we get started, there's one thing I did leave out. I'm going to let you plug the snot out of it because we have about two and a half more weeks of draft season upon us. So what do you got going on these days? Oh, man. Just about everything, right? So uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide. Uh, you can get that by emailing me, justamazingfantasy at gmail.com for the $7 PDF. Or you can just go over to Amazon and buy the ebook or paperback. Uh, and that is uh, The Fantasy Benefit is the title. So you'll have to type that in. Um, I mean, podcast, 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 right? Sleeper in the Buzz, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, TGFBI. I'm writing daily at Fangraphs right now, writing at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. And then in season, I'll be doing DFS for Fantasy Alarm. Yep, that's awesome. Busy man. You know, lots of time in the world. There's there's 24 <laughs> hours in most days. Justin Mason has about 32. So it's it's cool. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome to uh, see what else you got up your sleeve because it never ends with you. It's going to be something next. So it'll, it'll be yeah. exciting. Um, and you have tout this weekend. Are you still in the head-to-head or did you go to an only league? No, I was uh, – let's see, the last two years I've been in NL. Uh, this oh, year I'm moving okay. – yeah, this year I'm moving into uh, the mixed auction on Saturday. Ooh, um, nice. They needed someone to to move out of NL, and uh, and Sunday's my anniversary with my wife, and so I thought I'd smart man get some brownie points and be <laughs> like, not that it actually worked, because you know Danielle, she, yeah, it's <laughs> not buying into any of my BS. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to do the mixed auction for the first time. Should be really fun. I'm going to live stream the whole thing. Nice. So, awesome. You know, nice. since we're not live there, I might as yeah. well live stream it. So if you've ever wanted to listen to me talk to myself for six and a half hours that'll be happening on saturday that'll be entertaining because auctions are wild as it is so mm-hmm. a live feed of you going through the auction basically in your head but out loud that's entertaining mm-hmm. it really is um i guess i missed you going to nl because i remember when you went to head to head you basically broke the rules like yeah you, you recreated the rules like you didn't break and break sounds bad you basically you saw the rules what was the rules and you just said yep here we go and I'm, I'm gonna take it to you. So, well, and see, and the thing is, like, once, like, if you want to move to a different league, you can if there's an opening, but they give priority to the people who finish higher. So, if you win a Makes league, sense. you've got the highest priority. Um, if you finish high in the league, so that year that I kind of broke the system a little bit, um, I finished high enough where I was like, I could get out of head to head points, which yep. was, I'm not like, I'm not gonna say anything bad about head to head points, it's just not my game. I understand. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> as soon as I could, I was like, Hey, I'd love to do AL or NL, but get me the hell out of this league as quickly as possible. Even though it's like it's a really fun league in terms mm-hmm. of 
the people in it. Like Paul Spores in it, Clay Link's in it, Andrew Lamont's in it. Um, like it's a really fun table, but I just I do not like head to head points. Yeah, head to head's a different beast as it is. You throw points in the mix, it's just like <laughs> it gets a little wild. So I can see that, especially when it's like the only one you do it in. When you're mm-hmm. doing ro- when you're doing roto leagues, you're doing even if it's not even an NL or an AL league. At least when you sit down at that table, you know the player pool, you know what roto like. It still calculates similarly, but uh, you get that points head to head system, and it's a it's a different beast. That's for sure. So be fun to see that uh, two drafts Saturday and two drafts Sunday for Tout. So if I, if I remember yep. correctly, so that's yeah, that, quite, that's quite exciting. Yeah, I think um, AL and mixed auctions on Saturday, and then NL and the head to head points uh on sunday uh it's i mean it's gonna be a lot of fun and um Mm -hmm. i i love tout wars it's a really fun competition i'm glad they expanded another league more people in (laughs) um because i think you know including as many people as you can and kind of really getting to shine a light on some kind of newer talent um is awesome and it got you in it got our buddy toby in Uh, and so i couldn't be more excited for you guys to be a part of it because it's a fun it's a fun challenge every year yeah that that draft is one of the more fun drafts that well it's one of the only live ones i basically did because i was Mm -hmm. unfortunately not able to sit down with barf with you guys but um yeah that one listening to you know alex fast and other guys in that room was very entertaining Mm -hmm. uh, yeah good stuff there um, let's get some recent news in here because I know we'll divert somewhere along the road. Uh, Ramon Laureano, uh, side is sore, had an MRI, is supposed to be okay. Reports are he might play next week. But, you know, you're looking for a guy to lead off, a little bit of power, throw in some speed. Now he's got a, a side issue already. Like, it, it can't be great. Um, are you really concerned? Are you not concerned? What's your thoughts on Laureano? I mean, here's the thing. Like, the side is, is like, that injury that tends to linger and be aggravated, re-aggravated really easily. I was already kind of out. Like it wasn't that I didn't like him. I do like Ramon Laureano, but like, I just, I don't end up with him. There's so many guys around him that I like just a little bit more like Ian Happ. Um, And he, I mean, he gets pushed up there because of his speed. Right. And if he's not going to be pushing on the base pass, because he's kind of nursing an injury that kind of takes away a lot of his value. Um, So I'm probably I'm, I don't think I have him in any leagues. I might have him in one because I just I've drafted you know seventy four thousand leagues already. <laughs> but there's is it's very very unlikely unless he drops an extreme amount in a draft that I end up with him rest of the way. Yeah, no, that's the big problem I'm having is the part where there's so many guys around him. It's yeah. like I, I'm in a draft right now, like you said in my queue, and there's just so many outfielders. It's it, it's wild, and and it's a discussion we had on Twitter the other day with like Vlad and, and Zimmerman and some other guys is. There are different tiers of outfielders, obviously. So, which ones do you want to, to throw in the mix? But it's if you're comfortable with your player pool, there's outfielders for days. Yeah. So, don't my idea is don't force it on a guy that's already hurt type thing. Um, now, this was like as a Framber Valdez fan, a guy that drafted him, and two hours later he got hurt and like all this great stuff. I'm taking any good news I can get, and I know it's still a long shot, but it's the whole. It, you're saying there's a chance. Um, he's not going to have surgery for now. Things are healing properly. Still no timetable. If you were entering a draft, which you are mm-hmm. this weekend, would you be interested in taking a chance on a Framber Valdez? I mean, obviously, it depends on the price, right? Yeah. So I drafted him in TGFBI and the Barf League after the injury. Okay. But I got him in the 30th round of both of those drafts. Basically free, okay. So it's like, you know, it's just a crapshoot. I think he's probably going to miss four to six weeks of the season. 
Yep. Right. I mean, typically broken finger, that's kind of what you miss. And mm-hmm. you probably lean towards the later end of that timetable. So maybe we're actually talking more like six weeks mm-hmm. of the season. So it depends. Can you can you roster a guy that's injured for six weeks? I mean, this is a season in which workloads for pitchers are going to be going up a huge amount. It's never happened before. We have no data to pull from, but we can kind of estimate that this could be a really bad year for pitchers, right? Guys going from 50 innings to 150 innings uh, or more potentially. Like I think we could be in for a really bad season in terms of injuries. So I am typically trying to stay away from injured guys, especially because I play a lot of NFBC and there's no IL. Now, if you play in a league with IL spots, you can take that gamble, right? Um, But it's a risk. I mean, we know he's probably going to miss a month at least, right? So now you've already said, okay, what, one-fifth of the season? I know this guy's not going to be here for. And this could turn into like one of those, you know, the Luis Severino situation from 2019 where it was like, oh, he's going to be back in May. And then July came around and August came around. And we're like, oh, okay, he's back in September. And I've rostered this the whole time. Um, so it's a, it's a real big gamble. I would say unless you get a really steep discount, it's probably not one worth taking. Okay, let me throw this scenario out there because when this injury first happened, before the surgery concept came into play, I said, you know, let's say he comes back sometime early May. Let's just throw that out there. Um, right now is ADP online drafts month, month of May because we don't have any, we don't have main event drafts yet. So twelve team online drafts in FBC. Framber's ADP is two seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Mike Soroka's is one seventy nine. Mike Soroka, we know, is not coming back till May. Which one do you take a chance on? Uh, I'm going to take a chance on Framber. I think the upside's greater. And um, the, the secret thing, it lost secret, but it's his finger, not an arm, a ligament, nothing like that, which I think is big too. Yeah, I mean, it is and it isn't because he's still got to grip the ball, right? So like, it still could be a real issue with him getting proper grip, feel for his pitches. I, the, the tiebreaker becomes which player has the greater upside. And I love Mike Soroka, but Mike Soroka, because he doesn't have strikeout upside, he relies on volume in order for those great ratios to actually help your team. And if he's not able to get that volume, because we don't know when he's going to actually pitch in games, he becomes a lot less valuable. And and I made this uh, comment earlier today on the sleep on the bus with Paul was like, what's really the difference between a Mike Soroka that we don't know who, when he's going to pitch and Brad Keller. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, Very true. And I love Mike Sorg. I was like one of the highest guys on him in 2019 and 2020. Like I was, you know, I was p- trying to push that ADP up because I felt like that he should be going inside the top 100 and he wasn't. Um, but he needs volume. And I don't think, I don't feel comfortable that he's going to get it this year. Yeah, no, Soroka's a guy I, just, I haven't even thought about drafting at all. I'm actually surprised I keep seeing his ADP where it's at because there's so many questions still involved with Soroka. I guess the only question is supposedly early May, but there's it's still a lot of, like you said, volume-wise with him and everything that makes things very, very difficult. Uh, another pitcher, the, we're having a lot of back injuries and oblique injuries. Like you said, there's going to be some a lot of injuries this year, which is crazy. I didn't expect it this early, especially with some of these guys. But Zach Eflin, he got, he's missing his next start. Back injury, he's one of the, the hot topics this year. Um, everyone's loving him, strikeout upside. The pitch mix improved last year. How concerned are you with this one? I'm pretty concerned. I mean, it, it's it's just a, it's an injury. Backs are tricky, man. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is a hard one, too, because I was kind of lower on him than most people in the industry coming into draft season. And 
Paul and I were talking about him back in like October or November. And I was just like, I don't really know what to make of what Zach Eflin did in 2020. Like, yes, he was better, but is there a real change? Like, is the, like, is this sustainable? And so like we gave each other homework, go watch every Zach Eflin start. So that's what I did. I went and watched every Zach Eflin start. Um, and I finished it like mid February. I was like, and I was bought in. I went, Oh my God, I have him too low. I had him in my initial ranks in February. I had him at like 73. I was like, that's way too low. I pushed him all the way up to 48, dropped my ranks. And the next effing day <laughs> of my, after my rank update, he has this back issue. And now I've got to drop him back down into the 70s. So, um, you know, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of these injuries and some of them are going to be catastrophic as there always are. I mean, we just, you know, knock on wood, right? But we haven't had any like major TJs other than Forrest Whitley yet. Um, you know, and so like we've in some ways been really lucky so far, right? But there's been a lot of these weird nagging injuries, which could become more prevalent. And so I'm not going to put any added risk on my team by drafting a guy knowing that I could be put in a position, even in leagues with IL, that that IL slot, those IL slots could fill up. And now I've got to make a decision on who to keep and who not to. So I want to enter my leagues with as many open spots as possible. Yeah, and that's the tricky part because I'd almost I don't wish Tommy John upon anybody, but I'd rather the guy get Tommy John so I just don't even think about drafting him yeah. instead of these nagging injuries like you're talking about. The back can flare up, the hamstrings can flare up. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the obliques, it's just anything like muscle wise, it's never good. So yeah, like Sonny Gray, I love Sonny Gray, and now I just don't even want I don't even know what to do with the man. So that's well, especially a guy like Sonny Gray who has a history of kind of. They said injury, last fall like, or whatever he had, yeah, like a back issue. My, yeah, this this is what derailed his season kind of last year was this same back issue. And he's a guy with funky mechanics, and his yep. funky mechanics lead to kind of these weird kind of injuries in the same way that we saw Tim Lincecum break down. I was about to say, what, what, what giants do we remember yeah. doing that? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's the reason why, like, I've been out on Sunny Gray for years, and mm-hmm. there have been seasons where he's made me look really stupid, but I just don't trust those mechanics. I'm not trying to, like – take a victory lap on it because yeah. you know I had Sonny Gray ranked inside of my top 25 coming into this season because I was like really excited about Sonny Gray but this is why like I'm very careful with these guys with weird mechanics because over time that you know pitching is an unnatural action to begin mm-hmm. with and yep. so if you're not going to do it with clean mechanics over time something is bound to happen eventually um, and something is bound to happen for a lot of these guys even if they've got clean mechanics so um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm bummed on Sonny Gray. I know he was throwing some long toss, I think today, yep. but I'm still like, I have my main event on Monday and Tout Wars on Saturday. There's no way Sonny Gray ends up on either of those teams. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a heavy, heavy risk. That's for sure. Um, Trent Grisham still is not back in games. He pulled up lame with a hamstring or a groin, or I can't remember anymore. It was so long ago, but they, they said it was his hamstring. Cause this is the next day. Mm-hmm. He's walking around the clubhouse, says he feels great, things are good, he'll be back soon. That was a little over a week ago, and he still isn't back in game action yet. Um, what are your thoughts here? He's supposed to be the leadoff guy, like 2020 upside maybe type guy, and if he's got a hamstring issue for one and he's still not playing, there's concern for me. Well, especially because his a lot of his value comes from stealing bases, right? Yep, you know, that's why he was going in the fifth round, because people saw a 2025 stolen base upside. Uh, and if he has a hamstring injury – is he really going to be trying to push up first and yeah. get down to second very, very fast? 
I don't feel like he is. So, yeah, I mean, someone's going to take him this weekend in, in drafts. It ain't going to be me. Yeah, this is kind of the uh, disappointing thing. Like you mentioned with Eflin and some guys, I was out on Grisham, so I was happy when guys were just, like, sliping him up mm-hmm. and leaving guys for me. Well, now he's falling. So now it's, yeah. it's like, ah, damn. So th- there we are there. This one sucks. Carlos Carrasco. Like, you have to feel for Carlos Carrasco. The story is great. He seems like a good guy to begin with, even if he didn't have the cancer situation. He's just a good dude. Um, and he's getting older, which really stinks because it's going to make this harder and harder for him. He had the elbow issue, and I remember when it happened, he's had this in the past, and he worked yeah. through it, kind of like a Tanaka thing where he's like, mm-hmm. he, they, they pitched through it. So I wasn't as concerned. But he goes and throws today against live pitching, messes up his hamstring. I just like read about an hour ago on Twitter. It was like, like a high level, I think it was a high level hamstring tear, minimum six to eight weeks. Ooh, okay, I hadn't heard that update. Yeah, like I'll look it up while you're talking, but <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty bad. We're talking a couple months most likely, so I can't draft him, period, now. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you thinking on Carrasco? Uh, that's a huge bummer. Like, I haven't drafted Carrasco this year, but it wasn't because of lack of trying. He just would get popped right in front of me every time and super, super frustrating. Um, I mean, you know, it's, you know, lucky for me now, but I really liked Carlos Carrasco moving to New York. Um, I was talking about him earlier today with Paul, and I said, like, you know, now that the elbow is fine, like he's going to give you back in my top 20 probably or pretty close to it um, in terms of starting pitchers because he was going to the National League against a division that had never seen him pitch before. Uh, you know, you're going to get to go against a DH-less NL, <laughs> you know, offenses um, and in a great park for pitchers. Like this was the perfect spot for him. Uh, and so, and and I love him. Like you said, he's a great story. And I loved him before the story. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I've been a Carrasco guy since he was a reliever. Like that's, I mean, I, I've loved him. So, I mean, this is a huge bummer, but you can't, you can't draft him. You know, I mean, unless you've got, if you've got unlimited yeah, IL unlimited. spots and like, so in Tout Wars, we have unlimited IL. Um, so like he could be in play for me in Tout as a dollar guy or something like yeah. that, you know, stash him, hope that midseason he's back. But again, this could be one of those situations where, you know, we think we're going to get him back in June and then we don't like yeah. if the Mets fall out of it and, you know, he has a setback, you think they're going to push it with him? No, no, no it's, they're going to push it. And the other part is if the hamstrings is messed up as it is, because Mike Puma from the New York post Carlos Carrasco's hamstring has been classified as a high-grade tear, which is not good news, probably looking at six- to eight-week sideline minimum, according to a source. So he's out for a while, and since he's out like that, he's not going to be throwing often. So he's going to have to revamp up his arm and all that kind of stuff. It's like It could be a blessing for his elbow, but at the same time, if it's eight weeks before he starts really getting going, maybe tack it on another two to four weeks before he's ready to pitch in a game, like yeah. go-go. It's, you're talking three months at that point. It's half the season. So with that question in mind, and you have IL spots in tout, would you rather spend a dollar on Carlos Carrasco or Noah Syndergaard? Ooh, that's a really good question. Because Syndergaard was throwing a bullpen today or yesterday, and he was regularly seen throwing 96 to 98. Well, I mean, here's Which doesn't thing. mean a lot. Which doesn't mean a lot. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, it, because it's a good it's not, it's, it's not the, the velocity yeah. that, that is the last thing to come back. It's the command and control. Yeah. Um, with the Tommy John guys. So I think you have to kind of go with Syndergaard because uh-huh. there's at least a timetable for his return, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, 
and he's throwing. Um, yep. Now, to be clear, I'm probably not drafting either. Like, it yeah. seems super unlikely I'm I'm going to draft either guy. But if you're going to do a stash in a league where you've got a lot of IL spots or unlimited IL spots like Tout Wars, uh, for me, I think you lean Cindergard there um, and just hope that midseason comes around and he's Thor, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's like you said. It's because he at least has a timetable. Mm-hmm. Like unless unless there's a weird setback, we know what when he should be there. Carrasco, there's still a lot in the air right now. Yeah, I mean, we might not see Cookie this year, and yeah, that's which sucks. You know, so you don't want to invest any draft capital in that. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Something to definitely keep an eye on. But uh, hopefully, hopefully the next time I do recent news on my show, it'll have less injuries and more just like cool stuff to talk about. But it's been yeah. a rough go. It's been a rough that's go last week. Yeah, the Carrasco one, I literally I was. Scroll on Twitter, I'm like, oh, that's just that's dreadful, dreadful stuff. But um, all right, I created a segment for you, and it's really lame, but that's a lot of my dad jokes type humor. I put sleeper in the sleeper or bust because obviously, people, if you're dumb enough to not listen to Justin's show, sleeper in the bust. <laughs> so I did a play on that, but the idea is basically is he in or out on a player? The in or out's boring, so we're doing sleeper or bust. Um, and we're going to use NFBC ADP, but the ADP doesn't matter because it's just are you in or you're out on a guy. And it's some of the kind of more popular names, polarizing names, guys having good springs, not good springs. And we're going to get Justin's takes on this um, to see where he stands on this. And we're going to start with the first guy, a guy that he might be smaller than me now. I'll tell you that much. Like he's uh, he's, he's spelt, just had his like 23rd birthday, which makes me feel really old. And uh, he went four for four that day. And, and Toby and I had to record that night. So that was a fun intro to the show because uh, he's Mr. Anti-Vlad Guerrero Jr. So uh, Vladito... He's looking good, looking real good, but I still have not been able to draft him yet. Where are you on, Vlad? Are you in or are you out? I'm out-ish. Um, That's what I'm like, I want to be in. <laughs> listen, I mean, we all know what the upside is, right? This is a guy who clearly hits the ball hard. Um, and, you know, I mean, he broke projection systems because he just torched the minor leagues to such an extent that – steamer projected him to win the batting title in his rookie year i mean like and so like the talent is clearly there um and if you want to buy into small samples i mean i think it was oh god now i can't remember who it was it might have been vlad it might have been frank stample somebody tweeted out that or it actually might have been ryan bloomfield who knows about the uh, uh, launch angle change yeah his launch angle is night yeah 19 degrees during spring training which if it's 19 degrees throughout the course of the entire season this dude's hitting four or 40 home runs like that's you know and so like there's a lot of reasons to be like it's time it's you know simba <laughs> let's hold the baby up right um that that being said you know Huge weight losses or huge weight gains are often looked. Yeah, they're often looked at in the fantasy industry as good things. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case, though. Um, And I, you know, I was I was talking to Nick Pollock earlier today, and we were talking about this because I mentioned the fact that I used to powerlift when I was, you know, in my late teens, early twenties, and I would, I would, you know, see a lot of these other guys who were powerlifting too. And they couldn't extend their arms all the way. And this is the reason why Yandy Diaz can't ra- raise his launch angle. is because he's so muscular with those huge biceps that he can't get full extension on his arms. Um, 
And so, like, we've seen this in the past with guys with huge weight losses, too, where they, you know, we saw it with Luke Weaver, right? You know, he put on 25 pounds um, when he went to Arizona. And everybody's like, oh, Luke Weaver's going to be back. He gained all this weight. How's Luke Weaver been since he was in Arizona? It hasn't been good, right? You change your structure of your body. It changes how your body moves and how flexible it can be. Whether well, it's a huge weight loss, huge weight gain. Um, and so, like, this idea that it's automatically going to make him raise his launch angle is a really silly concept. And there's no real proof anywhere that that has any correlation to, the, to batter's performance or pitcher's performances, for that matter. Um, now, what it can do is if you, you know, do things like, hey, you had a lot of weight. Now you're sleeping better because of it. Or now you're, you know, in order to get that weight loss, you've been exercising regularly and eating better. It gives you more energy. Like there are added benefits to getting in shape, obviously, right? That's why people do it. But I'm not going to make a huge, or not, I'm not going to change the way I think about a player because they changed a little bit of their weight. Like that's, we fall for this every year with Gregory Polanco. Like it, it it, it's it's a silly now if you want to say this guy's a former top prospect he hits the ball hard all he has to do is make a tweak to his swing and he's now shown that he's really committed to his game okay i can buy that argument but i i have a real hard time paying the price for it we're talking about a guy who's going to be going in the fourth round and sometimes even in the third round in drafts here in the next few weeks. Like people are going to just overpay because he's just lighting it up. And this is a mistake that happens every year during spring training. Somebody that people like, it's usually Mikel Franco or Mike Moustakis, goes through a huge spring training. He was already a sleeper on people's list. And now people are just going to pay out the ass for him. And I'm not that person. Like, it, you know, Vlad tweeted out uh, the other day, like, the biggest mistake fantasy, I hear fantasy analysts make yep. is I, I'm going to wait till I see it before I pay for it. Like, I understand where he's coming from because yeah. then you're never getting a huge profit potential. I still want to see a – I don't need to Something. see the production. Yep. I need to see a skill change. And yep. if you believe that whatever it is, 25 spring training at bats – is indicative of a skill change, then go ahead and buy it. I have a really hard time paying for the production that I can get from Luke Foyt. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you You nailed it. And I like the the point you brought up with the Vlad comment because I, I knew what he was saying as well, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like part of him was like, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? No, but um, because I, I have to see it from certain guys, like you said, at least something that they change in what they're doing. So if if Vladito went and you know went to the Justin Turner and JD Martinez school of I'm going to elevate the baseball, cool. Like that that might be something that works. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Very very small sample size makes things very difficult to figure out. So you know you mentioned his ADP is 50 right now. He's going to his highest pick 21. Like that's not happening for me. That's that's pretty wild stuff. So we'll yeah. see. I, I want him to do well. I'm rooting for the baby Blue Jays. I love everything about that team right now. So uh, it'd be great to see. It's just hard to to envision it all coming together right now. But, hey, maybe it will. He, he does have the talent. That's never never been in question. Um, Alec Baum, prospect, Philadelphia Phillies, came on last year. His uh, stat cast page was bleeding red as everything was hit hard. He was doing it in the minors as well. The home run totals were, I guess, a little less to be desired, but still not bad. He was good. 
He's first base, third base eligible, which is kind of nice. Going around pick 108 right now. I've started to find myself looking at him more in drafts, not in love with him, but he's kind of more intriguing. It's like, do you want the potential upside of Alec Baum with the first base, third base, or do you want like an Anthony Rizzo? That's kind of the decisions right now. Where do you stand on Alec Baum? I like Alec Baum as kind of a, a guy that like, – I don't think he's going to be a league winner. And if you're drafting him to win your league, uh, I think that's kind of a mistake. But I do think he's going to be – a very safe option. I think like we're talking like mid twenties home runs in a, like a 285 kind of batting average on a good team. First third eligibility, which is nice because there are some big drop-offs at both of those positions right around where he's going anyways. So like, I don't mind Alec Baum. He's never a target for me, but there are drafts where he drops. And when he does drop, like I'm going to be there to pick him up because uh, I, I, if he had a different name, like I feel like people like, I mean, if he if he had a different name, I feel like people would be all over this kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 24 years old. He had a good first, you know, kind of stretch of that first season. He's on a team that's going to compete, a good uh, park to hit in. Like, there's there's not much really to say bad about him other than the fact, like, his ceiling isn't through the roof. But yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons to like him more than guys going in front of him. Um yeah, just, you know, I, I think he's kind of one of those guys that for some reason at 24, people have called him unsexy. Yep. Well, that's that's the big part right there. He's only 24. Like, he yeah. still can be developing and get better. He's still, you know, he's kind of small. You you think it for like a power hitter and he might get bigger. Um, there's a lot of pl- positives there. He's got Hoskins and Harper and McCutcheon and Segur and uh, Didi and all these guys around him. Like you said, the lineup, the ballpark. I get more and more intrigued as he falls, like you said. I think I actually picked him up in one draft last week for the first time. And it's it's kind of like, okay, I'm starting to see something I like here. But we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Now, a guy that I'm in love with, and it's been a heck of a yo-yo this season. Like, if you drafted really early, you were all in. Then he kind of took a few steps back because the Padres signed everybody under the sun. And then there's some talk about things are going his direction again. It could still go flat on our faces. We don't know. But Jake Cronenworth is going around pick 225. First base, second base, shortstop eligibility. He's pretty much the rumors or stories from the beat reporters, he's locked into the second base job. We'll see what happens, but that's what, that's what they're saying for now. Are you in or out? Are you sleeper or bust on Jake Cronenworth? I mean, considering he's going so late, I think he's got to be a sleeper, right? Um, I like Ha Sung Kim as a long-term option in San Diego. Um, And I was really high on him when, you know, they said he was going to be posted. Uh, I got a bunch of early shares. I was, I was like driving the bandwagon along with a few other people who were like me and stayed up in the middle of the night to watch (laughs) Korean baseball because he was dynamic in Korea. He's really, really struggled in spring training. And I think there's a real chance he doesn't even make the team Um, that they send him down to the alt site. They work on him with things. I think long-term Kim is going to be one of those guys. We've already seen that he can walk at the major league level. Like he's done that in spring training. Um, I think he's going to hit for average. I think the speed is going to play really, really well for fantasy. And I think he could be a league winner at the end of the year. Like he, I, I said today on, on the podcast that Haseon Kim is going to be the 2019 or the 2021 version of Garrett Hampson was in 2019 when Hampson, like everybody drafted him way too highly, including myself. 
They dropped him, and then he won the league for somebody else at the end of the year. I feel like that's what Haseon Kim's going to do this year. So going back to the original question about Jake Cronenworth, Jake Cronenworth is the guy with the job now. Um, And that is a damn good lineup, and he is triple eligible. He will probably gain outfield eligibility at some point, especially once Kim is up. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Jeff Erickson in my TGFBI league got him at like 301. That's like, outstanding. I mean, just insane value um, that I wish I had jumped on a round or two earlier. Um, and so, like, yeah, the price is going to start going up now that this kind of news is out. But, like, I don't think Cronenworth is one of those guys, again, not a league winner, but he's going to be an accumulator on one of the best teams in baseball, can cover a lot of different spots for you in a year where, like we've talked about, may have more injuries than we're used to having. Uh Guys who were quadruple eligible or triple eligible, like he is entering the season, are going to be insanely valuable for a team. So, yeah, he's definitely a guy I want some of. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. And the Kim thing, I think he starts out in the minors as well. And they kind of hinted at that uh, with the beat reporters. His first two years with this contract, he can go to the minors. So it's part of the the deal because it takes these these players coming over from Korea, Japan, takes them a little while to get acclimated to major league pitching. And we're seeing that, like you said. So it's not that he's not a good ball player. It's just he's got to get used to the – He's probably just got used to the way of life here. It's a different, you know. He's, he's in Arizona. I'm, I, I, is there a lot of food that he's used to eating there? I don't know. Like, I mean, there's a lot of Tex-Mex if he's into that. Yeah, but, exactly. So it's I a mean, different animal. Yeah, I mean, and they've never seen major league pitching like this. Okay. Like, you know, you, they might have seen Dan Straley or you know a guy here or there, but like they they've never seen 100 on you know on yeah. the corner. Like they've never seen breaking pitches move the way that they move here. Uh, it, it's a, it's a huge adjustment. And I mean, uh, the power, I don't know if the power is ever going to play like it did in Korea. Cause I mean, we've seen like young, uh, Byung-ho Park come over, like who hit 50 home runs in Korea and like not be able to hit double digits here. So, but like, he does have a really nice hit tool. The speed will definitely play. And he's already shown the ability to like, you know, recognize pitches, you know, and, and where they're going to be in the terms of the location. So he can take a walk. Um, so I do think he's going to have a lot of value and there will be a time really, really soon for you dynasty league guys to buy low on Haseon Kim. Um, and then, you know, just put him on your watch list. As soon as you hear that there's a chance he's coming up or as soon as there's an injury, because this is a team that has a lot of injury risks to it. Uh, grab him and like, enjoy the ride after that. But uh, yeah, Cronenworth's definitely the guy you want to invest in, in terms of your drafts. The, la- the last thing I'll say on Cronenworth, he's two twenty five. Uh, Tommy Edmonds, 135. Give me Cronenworth all day long in that scenario. But that's me. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I like Tommy Edmonds. <laughs> I have a lot of shares of Tommy Edmonds. So I'm not yeah. saying I don't. But if you give me a 100 pick difference, basically. Oh, the 100 pick difference. Yeah, yeah. The 100 pick difference for sure. I, I, yeah. yeah, that part in here. Um, I, I love Tommy Edmonds. There is a little bit of risk to him, especially because there's some rumblings coming out of, of St. Louis that they want uh dylan carlson to lead off at some point this year which could push edmund down quite a bit but that being said i like both like and i don't mind like in this kind of season like i said with the injuries that are potentially going to happen getting both those guys is a totally fine option yeah yeah i don't want to go down my diatribe with the cardinals lineup but there's an easy fix that uh they're just not looking at which pisses me (laughs) off just put carlson second move everybody back one spot that simple but uh yeah. yeah All right, Jared Walsh crushed it last year. Just destroyed baseballs, didn't strike out a ton, like just looked everything you'd want from a Major League Baseball player. 
But um, there's already rumors that he's going to platoon a bit from time to time with Pujols. He'll, he's on the strong side, obviously. He's going to get most of the playing time, but it's it's not his job full time. Um, are you sleeping or busting on Jared Walsh? You know, today's was kind of a kind of a come to Jesus moment with me and Jared Walsh. So, <laughs> you know, Paul's been in on Jared Walsh the whole time. I've kind of been like, I'm worried about the playing time. They go out and get Dexter Fowler, so now he can't even play right field. Um, but Here's the thing, like, if you look, you know, Mike Curlin, you know, buddy of ours in the industry is doing that amazing sheet for spring training. Go look at where he's hitting in the lineup. Not when ideal. he's in the lineup, no, he's hitting second or third. Oh, they're still he's, keeping him up there. Okay. He's, he, he hit today second in front of Trout and Rendon. That's a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> and so here's the thing, like, in a league in which – uh, plate appearances are king, right? So we're talking 15-team mix leagues. You probably don't want Jared Walsh because I think that his path to 500 plate appearances may be a little bit iffy. But if you're in a daily moves league, if you're in a 10- or 12-team league, I actually kind of like him because uh, there's replacement level on the waiver wire if it doesn't work out. Um and if he is hitting second or third in this lineup, uh, you know, somewhat regularly, he could have a huge season. Like, with 500 plate appearances, if he can keep kind of the power gains that we saw last year and even a, a close batting average. Like, I think he's probably going to hit, like, 260. Not, he's not going to hit, like, the two. I think it was 291 last year. Uh but like he could hit 27 home runs in 500 plate appearances and rack up a lot of RBIs and runs scored if he's hitting second or third in this lineup, which is pretty good at the top. Um, so I'm kind of starting to change my tune a little bit. I tend to play in a lot of deeper leagues. So I'm playing in a lot of 15-team mix where you really need to accumulate as many plate appearances as you can. And so investing in a guy like Walsh becomes a little bit more difficult in deep league like that. But if you're playing in a 12-team league, especially a daily moves, if you can move guys in and out based on when they're playing or not, um, he becomes a, a lot more valuable because he's going to sit at times when Otani's in that lineup. And he probably moved down the lineup when Otani's in the lineup. But there'll be plenty of times where Otani's not. You know, Otani's probably not going to hit, you know, obviously the day he's pitching, but either the day or before or after, he's probably going to sit as well. And it's not like Pujols is pushing him off. I know Pujols is having a good spring and stuff like that, but come on, like he's he's sixty four. Like it's 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 time. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I've been struggling with Walsh all all uh, preseason here, and a lot of it is the deeper league situation. I'm like, I can't be missing at bats. If you know the wrong situation, now I have to bench Walsh. Like it just it's tricky. But uh, daily moves, is, yeah, huge, huge in that regard. Um, and uh, you mentioned the other part that I've been trying to preach to people is there is going to be some regression. Like don't expect him to hit mm-hmm. 290, like you said, and everything. If you're good with what the 260, 265-ish, yeah. then okay. As long as you know that going into it, that's fine. But don't expect this monster masher again to make things happen. But yeah, hitting in front of Trout and company, that does not stink at all. So definitely yeah. something to like. Uh, what does stink right now is I just want Keston here to hit baseballs again. But even even in spring training right now, he's striking out at ridiculous clips. It's not good. Um, I'm not saying they're going to bench him, but eventually you can only run him out there so often. Um, he might play first base at some time because they got Colton Wong. We'll see. I can't draft Keston here, and I really want to. Are you? Uh, is a sleeper bust for you? Uh, I'm kind of sitting on the fence. I've taken him in leagues. 
I took him in the Barf League against you, mm-hmm. um, which is even crazier considering it's an on-base percentage league, and he had a <laughs> 297 on-base percentage last year. So um, that being said, I do love guys who have the multi-position eligibility. He should gain first-base eligibility really, really quick into the season. Um, he's got power. He's got speed. Yes, he strikes out a ton, but so does a lot of guys. Yeah. Like that's and it's not like it 24, like and with the Brewers, what they have on that roster kind of behind him, they're not gonna sit him. They're just gonna let him work his way through it. Yeah. Um, and so I he's one of those really polarizing guys in drafts. Like I've seen him go in the fifth round of a 15 teamer, and I've seen him go in like the tenth round. When he starts dropping in a draft, I become a little bit more interested because there is the potential of a, of kind of a dream season. And we've already seen it with him. Like we saw it in 2019, he hit 19 home runs, stole nine bases in pretty much a half season. You know, now it came, you know, the 303 average is probably never going to happen again. It came with a 402 Babbitt. So, I mean, obviously that comes down, but he's probably like, like close to peak Rugnet Odor, which is like was super valuable. Like, yeah. you know, a guy who could hit 250 to 270, depending on what his BABIP was that year, with a crap ton of home runs. 30 and, home runs yeah, yeah and, and stolen bases. So, like, I, fifth round is, is way too expensive. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather have Brandon Lau. And I think there's a, the difference between a guy like Brandon Lau and Hura is much bigger than the ADP suggests because Hura goes in front of him in most drafts. Um, That being said, while I think second base is deeper than a lot of people do, I like the depth of second base especially um, way more than a lot of people do. Um, There's a huge drop-off from like that first four or five to the rest of the field. And so that's why he tends to go a little bit higher. If he starts pushing towards kind of that you know, where that drop off then starts back up again, I'm here for it, but I'm not going to take him in the first five or six or maybe seven rounds of a 15 teamer. Yeah. That's the biggest problem where he's going most of the time. But the thing you mentioned that Toby and I mentioned before, and it kind of got us a little more excited about Keston here, especially if he drops, like you mentioned is the first base part because batting average won't be as important. It's still always important, but not as important. The power is great. And to get a guy that steals like that at first base is a game changer. Mm-hmm. So that becomes much more entertaining. At second base, you know, if you want to believe in Cattell Marte bouncing back or some other guy, I, I like the depth too. You get a Colton Wong later, you get a Charlie yeah. Castro, a Cesar Hernandez, guys are just yeah. like, I, I'm with you on that part of it. But if you know going into it, you're going to be like, okay, in like a week or whatever, I'm putting him at first base. That changes things a bit. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I can definitely get on that page with you. Um, just people need to, to know that ahead of time. Cause you mentioned he's gone as high as 55, as low as 111 in March. If you're yeah, getting so towards you know. that 100 number, then we can talk. Like, yeah, I'm problems. fine with that. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, he starts, I can't, I'm trying to remember where I got him in barf, but it was like, he fell like quite a bit. And I was like, Oh, I don't love this, especially on base percentage league, but the power and speed there, like, it makes a lot of sense, especially if you're like me and in a standalone league, you like to punt batting average. Yeah. Like that is a good person to do that with because we've seen him run with that high Babips before all throughout the minor leagues in his first go around. So while we're kind of projecting like a 240, 250 batting average for him, 
maybe he does naturally have that high Babbitt, and all of a sudden he's a 270 guy with all that power and the speed at first base. And then, like, that's a game changer for your team if you're not caring as much about the batting average. Yeah, Hero is one of the best hitters in all of college baseball when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. Like, and not just for one season, for his career. And that's why he got drafted where he was. His defense has always been horrible. So yeah. that, that's that's never been why they, they drafted him. So eventually, you, you'd imagine at least a 270, 280-ish type guy is coming out of that shell somewhere. You, you, mm-hmm. would, you, would, you would think. So we'll see. Uh, it is a very interesting uh, guy to watch for sure. You mentioned Brandon Lau. He's a tough one for me. I, 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 he proves me wrong every year. It's one of those deals. Like you mentioned earlier, Sunny Gray, sometimes you get him right, sometimes you get him wrong. I seem to get Brandon Lau wrong so far. Like maybe I should change my tune. I just haven't been able to because it just doesn't app, you know, make me – it doesn't appetize me at all. But you said you take him over Keston here. Are you sleep or bust on Brandon Lau at pick like 75? Oh, I'm, I'm all over that. Like he's not going to get the 75 in any of my drafts. Like that's – if he's there, if he's there at seventy four, I'm taking him. If he's like, I, I, I have no problem jumping on on Brandon Lau. Uh, he's got power. There's some speed there. Second base, outfield eligible. He's gonna play every day uh, in a pretty damn good Tampa Bay lineup. A great place to hit in terms of the AL East. Uh, I, I do not sleep on Brandon Lau. Like he's he he is awesome, and he like represents that last elite second baseman. Yeah at a position that, you know, while I said it's deep, it's not deep in terms of eliteness. So, like, when we talk about shortstop, everybody's like, oh, shortstop's so deep, shortstop's so deep. Shortstop's not actually that deep. What's like deep is the deep. <laughs> it, Yeah, what's deep is the elite pool of shortstop. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, like, seven shortstops that go in the first three rounds. Like, that's mm-hmm. the part. But after that, it's like, ooh, do I really yeah. want Willie Adamas on my team? Mm-hmm. Like, do I really want Jorge Polanco on my team? I don't know that I do. Like, I don't want them as my starting shortstop. Whereas second base, like, it's the exact opposite. Like, there's short second baseman for days. Like you mentioned, Cesar Hernandez, Colton Wong, uh, Jonathan Scope. Like, there's, like, all these guys that are like, hey, I don't – if that's my second baseman, all right, I'm fine with it. Like, I can see some upside there. Um, but there's nobody at the top. Yeah. Like, there's no first-round second baseman. Uh, there's uh, – I don't even know if there's a second round – I mean, I guess LeMahieu is probably up there. And, yeah, that's, and, yeah, that's an annoying one. But yeah, Albies he's eight, go his eight, third. LeMahieu's at ADP 30, Albies 35, so, Whitmer's yeah. at 42. So there's three in the first. This is for 12 teams. So three in the first four rounds, basically. And then there's Brandon Lau. And if you believe in Kevin Biggio, which. I don't know how much I believe in that. If you believe in like Kettle Marte, I definitely don't believe in that. You know, we you know we just talked about Kesson. Like, there's a huge drop off after mm-hmm. those first three guys, and I think Brandon Lau is like the second tier all by himself. Um, and I'm I'm so I'm cool with it, and I definitely would wouldn't mind taking him. And if he's there, I'm gonna. Um, but I can also understand like if if you go. You know, Brandon Lau just doesn't excite me. Then just wait, like wait, don't don't invest in second base until the end because there are those guys late. Yeah, and the fun thing about the second base pool, like if you just pull it up on NPC, a lot of flexibility, a lot mm-hmm. of it at the yeah. position. So that's like you mentioned having Edmund and Cronenworth earlier because you can play them everywhere. Lau's got outfit eligibility as well. Um, you know, you got, you got McNeil, you got Muncie. As much as I hate him, he's got three positions, <laughs> um, and then you got Dylan Moore. This guy is a tilt job one hundred and one here. We saw power speed last year. 
jump off the page. He got his chance to play, and he played very, very well. But it's like you, he, he almost did it kind of – it felt like almost out of nowhere. It wasn't completely out of nowhere. It almost felt like it, that it's hard to buy in on it on such a short season, even though some things we do buy in on, some things we don't. He's going to pick 130, dual eligibility, second base outfield. Uh, we know some people that love him. Are you one that <laughs> sleeps or busts on him? Uh, I read the fence on this one. Like, um, I see the upside, and the upside is why it's tantalizing, right? In the plus column for Dylan Moore is he had that hot stretch. He got injured, came back, and continued the hot stretch. So it wasn't like he just got hot and then the hotness fizzled and that was it, right? Mm-hmm. It was like there was a break in between and he still was hot. And so it it becomes a little bit more believable in that point. The problem becomes with Dylan Moore is the floor is so unbelievably low. Um, you know, the upside is huge and I love that, but the floor is he's a short side platoon guy if he struggles. Um, and that's really concerning. He's never really hit righties very well. Does a lot of his damage against left-handed pitching. Um, there's definitely speed there. I wonder if he's one of the guys that gets hurt more from a dead and ball than maybe other guys at the position, which is a bit scary. Uh, this is a team that is young, and they're going to be bringing some of the, a lot of their young talent up throughout the year. Do they move him? Because Trader Jerry still runs that uh uh, that department there. So if he gets traded, then he's probably like a super utility guy more than likely somewhere else. Ugh, it's super, super risky. Um, that being said, like the price isn't bad. Like the price is kind of in that spot where it's like, I can take a gamble here, but just remember for every gamble like Dylan Moore, you take, it means another gamble you can, uh, you can't take later. So, you know, if you're going to go for Dylan Moore, it becomes more difficult to go after a guy like Victor Robles. It becomes a, more difficult to go after an injury risk guy like Byron Buxton. It's so it's it's all about kind of your risk management. Like if you're going to take that risk where he's going, then you have to be very careful about your risk later on. And I, I like other guys who are risky later on. Like I really like Victor Robles this year quite a bit. Um, you know, I like Byron Buxton in that upside. Uh, and you know, I like some of the riskier pitchers towards the middle and end of a draft. And so it seems unlikely that Dylan Moore is the guy that I'm going to pull the trigger on. Yeah. Dylan Moore, I've not drafted at all for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. Um, the, the risk factor scares me. And, and you mentioned the fact that the Mariners have a lot of young talent ready to come up. That's why I won't draft Kyle Lewis. Maybe I'm wrong there. Um, Dylan Moore, there's just so many moving parts there that, are, that there's guys just waiting to take a job. And these guys are, they're going to move them around in, in Seattle or trade them, like you said. So mm-hmm. there's other chances I take, like a few picks later, second base, third base, shortstop eligible at pick 148 is Andres Jimenez. Now, uh, you know, when the trade happened to Cleveland, there's like, oh, he'll go start in the minors because it's Cleveland and they're cheap and this and that. Well, he's knocking the socks off everybody. And it looks like he's going to lead off for. Cleveland, and it's going to be very interesting. So we know how many bases he can potentially steal. Are you a sleeper or a bust on Andres Jimenez? Oh, I am all over Andres Jimenez. I have been since before the trade. I was as, I was on him last year, and like uh, a lot of people were like, as soon as he got traded, there was that one little rumor that a beat writer kind of he he thought that maybe there was a chance 
that Andres Jimenez would get sent down to the minors. And all of a sudden, everybody went running, screaming away. And I just kept drafting Andres Jimenez left and right and left and right. Um, and now that he's going to be the everyday shortstop, people are like, oh, I'm I'm on board. And now that ADP is going to jump up through the roof. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got enough power to play. Uh, he's moving to a better park so the power, you know, the power that he does have will play better. Um, he's moving to the American League. He is going to hit in a decent spot in that lineup. He's triple eligible. He has got speed. What isn't there to like about Andres Jimenez? Uh, you know, the ADP going up. Yeah, that sucks for us who were kind of in on him before. But I'm still buying that. Like, I mean, it's hard to find speed after there's first five to seven rounds. And he's one of those guys that has it. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm in as well. When he's with New York, I was still kind of timid about the situation. When he was traded, I was all aboard because we've seen him at Rosario. We know how that's going to go. Um, yeah, give me a chance with uh, with Jimenez on that one. Uh, the last one I'll ask you on this little run we have here, I'm going to skip to Randy Rosarena. This guy, we saw what he did last year in the postseason, part of the regular season, amazing, just absolutely amazing. Power, speed, he was a, a pretty pretty good prospect uh, coming out of St. Louis, another outfielder St. Louis got rid of. But um, pick 58, it's kind of dropped a little bit from when draft season first started, but still pretty steep price tag. Are you asleep or bust on Randy Rosarena? Oh, I'm I'm all over that, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean it's, uh, I mean here's the thing, and people are gonna be like, oh, small sample. Oh, he wasn't even a top prospect. Like he, he just had this hot streak. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of lot of people who have hot streaks, and they're not nearly as good as what Randy Rosarena did uh, against some pretty damn good teams in the playoffs. Plus, he was pretty damn good in the regular season once he got up. Um, what he does is something that I think people can't really see in the numbers. And that is he has an elite ability to recognize a pitch out of a pitcher's hands. Um, and that is going to play no matter what, like his, you know, people are like, well, his, his bat path isn't optimal. It, it seemed pretty damn optimal to me when he was crushing home runs. Now, is he going to be a 40, 40 guy? No, he's not going to be a 40, 40 guy, but I think he has a pretty darn safe floor uh, of a guy who could be 2020, probably closer to 25, 25 with upside for more. And he's going to play every day. There's no way they're going to sit him uh, unless he's truly atrocious. And I just don't see him being that at any point. I think he's uh, well worth the price uh, at, you know, what end of the fourth round in a 15 team league. If he's there for me, um, he will be on my team. You can be sure of that. Okay, let's have some fun here. ADP aside, mm-hmm. Randy and Rosarena are Starling Marte. Oh, this is one I've been asked before, and I've gone back and forth. <laughs> um, I think the answer is Randy and Rosarena. It's but tough. it's tough. And the only reason it's the answer is because Starling Marte has had injury issues throughout his career. And so I feel much more confident that I'm going to get 155 games from a Rosa Reina than I will from Starling Marte. And I love Starling Marte. My, my, my question back to you on that is why not both? Well, that'd be great. Cause you can usually get them at the turn. Yeah. And what happened to me, cause this is a scenario I just had in my recent draft and I went Marte this time. I, it's like, I think I have like four Rosa Reinas and two Martes now. And it's like, I just keep kind of, it's almost like diversifying the portfolio right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, I literally thought about taking both, but I'm like, I, I want one of these shortstops. We talked about the elite shortstops, 
and Glaber Torres and like Javi Baez are all that was left. And I'm like, I want give me Glaber and give me Marte or Rosarena. I took Marte. Um, but so many other times I've gone the other route. I could have gone both, like you're saying, and that yeah. could have been a lot of fun. So that and then also, it's not against the rules. You can do it any way you want. But I we we talked about earlier how deep outfield can be if you're mixing and matching stuff. If I would have taken both, I would have had four outfielders already. Oh, yeah, that's a tough thing. To I do. didn't want to like pigeonhole myself that early, knowing what I can get later at outfield, but not at other positions. Mm-hmm. Like, like, hey, we're not doing that. Next question for you. Randy or Rosarain, I remember no ADP mattering here. Or Lou Bob. Oh, it's Randy or Rosarain. I don't think yeah. that's um and honestly, I would take one for one. I would yeah, I would just take a Rosarena. Like I it's a like, don't get me wrong, like, I love what Luis Robert could potentially be, but I'm pretty sure he led the major leagues in swing and strike rate last year. I think you're pretty much right, yeah. Yeah, so, um, like, he is, the difference between Luis Robert and um, and Mondesi, Alberto Mondesi, is position. Oh, man. It maybe, is. like Maybe, maybe 20 stolen bases. It's, I mean, it's prospect pedigree. Like, you yeah. know I mean? That's, you know, that's why, like, uh, I mean, but the downside is huge, right? Like, uh, and the fact that even today, the White Sox said, like, that Adam Eaton is going to be hitting second in the lineup means Luis Robert is going to be likely hitting seventh. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's, that, that's what you want from your second round pick? Yeah, no. No, 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 no. And last one I have in this one. Randy or Rosarena or Kyle Tucker? Oh, it's Kyle Tucker. I okay. love I Kyle Tucker. That. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, I think that, I mean, there is definitely some hyperbole when it comes to Randy or Rosarena in the industry. Like, people like me, like, just are just talking up or Rosarena talking up because we love him, like, and we see the upside. But Kyle Tucker legitimately, like, his ceiling is 40-25 or maybe yep. even 40-30. Now, is he going to get there? Eh, probably not. But – like there's a huge ceiling difference and Kyle Tucker is, you know, on a great team as well. Um, And uh, so I think there is a a really good shot that Kyle Tucker is like a league winner where Rosarena like definitely will help you win your league, but uh, he's not a league winner. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, Like the last three or four years when the Astros were always making trades and they like Kyle Tucker was always rumored. I said, trade any of the other 14 prospects you have. Do never, ever trade Kyle Tucker. Because yeah. I saw him in Fresno and stuff. Like I drove to purposely see him. And I forget who their pitcher was that got busted for steroids like twice. Like they had a, an elite prospect. Mm-hmm. I made points to drive over there to go watch him play. And yeah, don't do it. Um, real quick before we get to listener questions, we have uh, Corbin Young says, more like Dylan Less, not Dylan Moore. <laughs> um, Mike Curlin says, our, we were just talking about Sleepy K. They said it'll be a mix, essentially, of who bats second. Robert does seem likely for six or seven. And LaRusa essentially talked up Grandal at two and even said Robert could hit second if hitting well. So it's, you know, depends on what day LaRusa stops at a stop sign. We don't know. But um, that, that's how the lineup will be, will be put together. Um, let's get to some listener questions. We actually had a lot of good ones. The, the, the people, the masses came through. And we'll start with the fun one out the gate. Cody Mack at Comac 2 good friend of the show. Um, he says, how does it feel to be the second best fantasy analyst in your house? <laughs> how dare you, sir? How dare you speak? Have, have you guys, have you guys figured out your bet yet? If she beats you? Uh, we haven't. Um, okay. We're still taking suggestions. Feel the, you know, feel free to like 
tweeted me at Jessica Mason FWFB or at, at Danielle at Mrs. D Salinger. Uh, if you've got a good bet idea, um, like I, I'll bet anything pretty much. Uh, like, you know, there's been a tattoo bet kind of uh, floated out there. Um, but like, you know, her money is my money and my money is her money. So it's like, like, what yeah. can we really bet? And it's not like, uh, it's not like, like, um, it's not like she can make me do anything embarrassing. I, I wore a woman's bathing suit yeah, with my face good. on it. Like I'm, I'm not easily embarrassed. Like I'm not like, like there's nothing that she can make me do that is gonna like really be that big of an issue. Um. So yeah, we'll figure something out. I'm sure before the start of the season, but no, we haven't figured it out yet. Uh, Simon P, another frequent listener of the show, asked, "Can we get the Cali guys to do a breakdown of the Giants? I don't think we'll do a full breakdown, but." Um, who will be in the lineup on most nights? Who will return value? Um, are there any hitters that you're looking at in the Giants lineup? It's never a fun lineup to look at, but like Dubon's multi-eligible. I think he still has another level to go to. Um, anybody that you're looking at in drafts from the Giants offense? From the Giants offense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, Buster Posey's going super, super late. Uh, I think a lot of his decline has had to do with just being banged up, being an everyday catcher. Brandon Belt is injured uh, and may not be ready for opening day, and so you could see Posey catch four times a week and then play first twice a week. He's going extremely late, and I think he's got a, still a really high ceiling with some upside for more. But other than that, like, and that's your catcher too, right? So if you're playing in a one-catcher league, you're not even interested in that. And so it's really like a 15-team, two-catcher league that you're kind of looking at Posey for. But other than that, like outside of Yastrzemski, who I don't really buy into what he did last season happening over the course of a full season, everybody else is going to platoon. Yep. That's the like, problem. And so Tommy Listell is interesting in deeper formats, especially on base percentage leagues, but there's really not anybody like, like everybody's going to platoon except for Brandon Crawford and you don't want to draft Brandon Crawford. So no, like I want, I want Alex Dickerson, but we've seen that platoon. Like it, it yeah. doesn't matter how good he hits, Kapler's going to platoon him. Um, Lestella is the interesting one because he's been playing first base with Belt out mm-hmm. a lot in spring. Uh, they've already said he'll pretty much platoon at third base, so if he plays a little third, a little second, a little first, five to six games a week out of him probably. That's yeah. interesting. But and, and eligibility, which is nice. Yeah. So, like I took, I took Lestella and Barf. Yeah, if OBP, he, he's yeah. there. Yeah, if he's there late and. Tout because that's on Braves percentage league. Uh, you know, um, I may, you know, throw a few bucks his way. Uh, you know, he could even be in play in a main event for me, but yeah, there's no one like you know, it's unfortunate because usually on like teams that are bad, there's always those players you go, This team may be bad, but yeah. this guy, this guy could like be the cream of that bad crop. There's no real, there's no offense player. There's some pitchers I like for sure. Uh, but yeah, there's no offensive player that I'm excited about. Well, let's talk pitchers. He says, "Is Logan Webb worth rostering in NL only and best balls?" I'm not rostering him in 15 team leagues personally. If if you're super deep, best balls for sure. Maybe not in 15 team. He's more waiver wire. But best balls, I've rostered Logan Webb. Uh, is Logan Webb of interest to you, or what other pitchers? You said there's some that interest you. Um, Anthony Descalfani looked really good tonight. Um, he got through three and two thirds innings in 29 pitches. Um, it only gave up a run. Uh, Aaron Sanchez is looking really, really good and has a roster spot or a rotation spot locked down. Logan Webb's an interesting guy. I love the raw talent 
I still think he's pretty raw, though. Uh, it will help that the gate should be open. They're, they're expecting to have fans in the stand somewhere during the second week of the season, which means that that uh, gate over by McCovey's Cove is going to be open, which keeps that jet stream coming in uh, and the balls in the park. So it played as, I think, the seventh best hitters park last year. It won't play that well. It's not going to play as well as it did previously because they did lower the fences uh, in right center a little bit. But um, I think it's probably going to play closer to much closer to a pitcher's park than a hitter's park this year. So all the pitchers have some in- some level of interest to me because you know it, that place is 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 great for pitchers uh, when that gate is uh, that gate is open. So, but that being said, like there's no one I'm going to like overpay for like I took Aaron Sanchez and Raz Slam with like my 40th round pick so like I mean that's what I think of like it's that yeah. it's that kind of thing it's um they're lottery ticket guys you know Anthony Discofani like I like him when I'm getting him outside of the top 300 like that's yeah. a lottery ticket guy uh but there's nobody like I'm like Gosman is is always been fantasy kryptonite to me like <laughs> like I remember the first the first conversation I ever had with Paul on a podcast was he came on the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast and we argued how much or who liked Kevin Gosman more. Um, <laughs> and so this was like 2015, like, and I've been on. I keep going back to the well. At some point, it does feel a little bit like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. Um, so, like, I haven't been over drafting him. I'm definitely picking and choosing my spots with Gosman, but I do like. I do like kind of the, some of the changes he made. I do like the way San Francisco has done a really good job of kind of, uh, kind of re kind of helping guys kind of restart their careers mm-hmm. uh, from a pitching standpoint. So the pitchers, starting pitchers, especially I will take a shot on the really of pitchers. I trust Gabe Kapler, none. So mm-hmm. like, there's no way I'm going to invest in any of that. Uh, but yeah, so most of the starting pitchers, I'm, I'm someone, even Cueto, like Cueto, yeah. They're I think has some interest. Yeah, they're all it's super cheap. The gospel, then, they're all cheap. You know, the nice thing about cheap pitchers is when they don't work, they're easy to drop. Yep, hundred percent. And and if you don't draft them, they're they're going to be streaming options because it is San yeah. Francisco. Because mm-hmm. like you said, I've told other people that's asked with people being able to sit in the stands, the archways will be open. It's mm-hmm. that simple. They might have it spaced out and like only certain mounds. It'll probably be restricted, but they'll be open. So yeah. it, it's going to be it's going to be different for sure. All right, um, this one person, at Mrs. D. Salinger, you might know her. Never heard of her. Yeah, um, she says, how can I increase my chances of beating Justin and TGFBI? I'd say uh, get direct messages with Toby. Uh, that <laughs> would be my that suggestion. during the draft. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'd say yeah. make, sure, make sure you, you text Toby. That's, that's what I'd recommend, or Scott Jenstead, or a lot of the people you've had on the show. Like, get all those connections. <laughs> that's what I'd recommend. Um, I mean, here's the thing, like, like, don't get me wrong, I'm super proud of her because, like, she had two weeks to prepare for that draft. Um, she got the second COVID shot during that time. And so it was just, like, Ooh. like, and she was one of the people that got really sick yeah. from that second shot. So, like, she lost a week of her prep because of that. Oh, no. um, and so, like, she's had to learn how to play fantasy baseball at a high level in two weeks. Um, awesome. And she put together a pretty darn good team. Now she made a lot of mistakes with that team. So is there a chance she could beat me? Obviously, everything could go wrong for me. It's happened before. It will happen at some point again. Um, but 
the honest truth of it is she stands no chance. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, that's, you know, the bottom uh, line is I do this for a living for a reason. Um, and uh, it, she's not going to beat me um, unless, <laughs> unless just all hell breaks loose on my I am team. saving these clips right now. I do. I'm waiting for like a WWE scene where she comes bursting into the <laughs> through the door right now. Now here's the thing, you know, because this is this is the discussion we've been having. Because there was a moment, especially after our first ten rounds, where I was legitimately just entered the, track, the, the chat. By the way, <laughs> she's also drunk right now. So um, there there was a there was a point after her first ten rounds where I was legitimately scared. Like I was like, oh no. Am I gonna have to like quit my job as a fantasy analyst if she beats me? Um, and then the realization came to me is uh, <laughs> if um, uh, my wife's now trolling us in this yeah. chat. Uh, if she if she does beat me, it's likely because she finishes in at least the top what one hundred and fifty of TGFBI probably. Yeah, probably. Um, and that means I taught someone who didn't know what the categories were. Not like, like, oh, this this is what five by five means. Like she legitimately didn't oh, know yeah. what, like whip what whip was. Uh, Listening to you guys season. describe these these things to her, it's yeah, it's fun. It's fun to listen to because it, it shows. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so that means I taught someone who legitimately had no idea how to play the game, how to beat three hundred fantasy analysts. Like if. Even if I lose, doesn't that make me the greatest teacher of the game of all time? Like, it, it, I feel like it's I'm up there, right? You're like, like the Yoda, you're like the Yoda of fantasy yeah. baseball. Like, you know, um, so like I, I feel like it's it. At first, I felt felt like this was a lose lose situation for me. Like it was like if I beat her, everybody's like, well, of course you beat her, right? You you've been playing this game for twenty years. You teach it pretty much to people for a living. Of course, you beat the person who never played before two weeks before the start of the draft. Um, but, you know, and if, if she beats me, then I look absolutely ridiculous. But now I'm thinking it's kind of closer to a win-win because if she beats me, I, just, I, I, I taught her how to play the game. And she's, you know, she's taken that information and run with it, which means anybody can do it. The, the beauty of like this podcast I've been doing with her and the fact that she's doing this is that uh I think this is showing people it's not as hard as it seems. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely is difficult. Yeah. But if you if you listen to the right people, you listen to people like Toby and Scott and you and me and Paul, like anybody can do this. Like you just need to kind of put in the work and effort, which there is a lot of. Yeah. And 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 like and try because the reason she'll be I I told her, I don't care how bad your team is, you will you will finish you know, above the top, you know, the bottom 200, right? If you just try, because a lot of people don't. Nope. Um, and so, like, I told her, like, just write down the list of everybody you beat and just hold that over them. Oh, she would never do such a thing. Uh, I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, I, I literally, I think she has a, like a, a Mason BS meter somewhere nearby because the second you mentioned something, she popped right into the. <laughs> I was asleep, now I'm awake. <laughs> like, it's like amazing. And then Mike Curlin feels offended, but I'm telling you, it, it is awesome seeing her do it. And you, you mentioned fantasy baseball in, in general, it's challenging, but it's not like super challenging. The hardest part is it's so long. Like yeah. you have to continue to do the moves, the roster moves, and all that's where it wears on people. 
That's yeah. where it just destroys people. That's my thoughts, at least. That's the hardest part. So it's a marathon. It really is. And people like, you know, we talk about in the industry all the time. Is it, I think the biggest barrier to people, there, there are two huge barriers for people playing fantasy baseball is one. It's, it is super long of a season. It's, you know, 162 games. And uh, <laughs> she's just, she's just <laughs> roasting me right now. Um, it's 162 games. And it takes a long time. It's not just a, hey, I can check, like, fantasy yeah. football. Oh, I'll just check my team once a week and I'll be fine. Um, and then the second part is we in the industry talk in a language that is foreign to new players. And I yeah. think one of the fun things about this exercise I've been doing with a podcast with my wife is I have to speak very simply and all the guests have to come on and really explain it to her in basic terms because or in erotica novels one of the two yeah yeah toby man that episode <laughs> i Ooh. honestly I, I i don't mean to interrupt like this but i as a guy that recorded with toby once a week we thought just this week with our 75th episode just the two of us i didn't think he had that in him i i, I, I was <laughs> absolutely in shock and like we didn't release the video of it but if you had seen my face during this like it was i mean it was priceless and um it's been really cool because I think we in the fantasy industry have this idea when someone comes to listen to our podcast that they have a certain level of knowledge already about the game. And that, that prevents I think people from coming in because like if you had asked me first five years, five, 10 years, I played fantasy baseball, what BABIP meant. Oh yeah. I would have really not had any clue what you were talking about and if that had been a requirement of some sort for me to play fantasy, I wouldn't have played, right? Yeah, so I'm with it. Um, I think it's it's really cool to do a project like this because it really teaches me, hey, not everybody has this. And we're preventing the growth of our game mm -hmm. because we're not catering to people who might be really good at this and might really enjoy it. So, I mean, you know, I hope that she takes this information and goes on and plays best ball because I know she doesn't want to do 162 she games would enjoy the hell out of throughout ball, the yeah. season. Um, but like she, she could definitely do the best ball. Hey, I get to draft my team and then I just let it go. Uh, but like, I think, you know, the nice thing about is the, these podcasts is I think they'll be evergreen. So oh, big time. people will be able to like, Hey, I don't really know what you're talking about. And I can be like, Hey, go listen to these episodes. And it'll just give you kind of the basic, fantasy 101 kind of, of of what we're talking about and then you can start graduating up to you know Bubba's podcast and Toby's podcast and my podcast a little bit more. Yeah, no and that that's the fun part about doing the podcast with Toby cuz he's like, you know, she's like Bill Nye the science guy when he's mm -hmm. doing it because he deserves so much. So I try to like I make jokes I like my caveman projections. I try to dumb it down on the other side mm -hmm. of it cuz I I I've made the comments for years doing this show that I didn't know what baseball savant half of that stuff meant there. Like I, I get bits of so work in progress all the time. It's crazy. Like the stuff's awesome, but there's so much of it. It can get overwhelming. And I like, uh, even Spore talks about it. I've heard him on like eat some of the pitch cons and other things that have like the um, pot of Palooza and other things. He was on a panel about like, what do you do to start your research? What would you tell like one thing you do? And he makes like the so most basic things, just like, just look at these. And it's just like, yeah, start there. There's no need to go jumping off the deep end there's no need for that so yeah no I, I, the podcast is great because it does dumb it down is not the right way to say it, but that's what it's doing to make it simple so you can start and learn and yeah. i like it quite a bit so 
Very cool stuff there. Let's talk about Sleepy K. He's been blowing up the chat, and he has a question. He has a question for us that he sent in earlier today. Um, at Mike Curlin, for those that uh, don't know, and he is doing an amazing job with the lineups. So go check that out. And he keeps tweaking stuff, and I don't know how he sleeps, but that's another story. Um, who's someone you were initially fading early in draft season that you find yourself changing your tune on and even possibly targeting down the stretch of draft season? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Hmm. Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, here's the thing, and this is going to sound disingenuous, but it, it might be. Oh, uh, you know, I was going to say Garrett Hampson, but because I was kind of fading him early on, but now that he seems because of Mike Curlin's draft sheet, like like I can see, like hey, he's been leading off quite a bit, and it seems like he's the everyday guy. Um, but I'll go with a different answer. It's it's Nick Sanzel. Yeah. Um, Sanzel's a guy that I've always kind of faded. Um, but the more I look at him and the more I see where he's going in drafts, I go like, yeah, he's not, he doesn't like have a carrying tool necessarily in fantasy, but in many ways, like he just fills up the score sheet in every category. Um, and like, it's a good lineup. He's going to be hitting in. He's finally healthy. Uh, like a lot of the injuries have just been weird, fluky things. Like he got that COVID, like, you know, he was played in the game. They pulled him, like, right after because he, you know, tested positive for COVID and uh, just kind of fluky injuries. And I think Nick Senzel is kind of an underrated asset right now, uh, you know, in fantasy. He's one of those, like, late outfielders that you were talking about where it's like, I don't need to fill up on outfielders early because there's guys like Senzel later. So Senzel is one of those guys where I think I was fading him coming into trap season, and more and more I find myself ending up with him. Yeah, that's a great one. For me, it's a guy going much higher in drafts, but it was – I was fading him early on until I got to see him play to make sure things were normal again, and that's Austin Meadows, and now I'm just drafting him everywhere. Yeah, like, I love Meadows. He looked so broken last year. I know he had the COVID and other things, but even – he just looked lost, like just completely lost the plate. Seeing what he's doing now, he looks better, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, I can get back on that, especially at the price now. This is a lot cheaper than he was in years past. Uh, Mike Curlin chimed in. His is Dylan Moore. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Sleepy K, doing Sleepy K things. Um, Corbin, at Corbin underscore Young, you can tell the saga of this because I saw it blow up Twitter this evening. Has Justin tried Quest Bars yet, asking for a friend? I, apparently, I think you're going to try them pretty soon, it sounds like. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> because of that tweet, um, you know, and I responded to him, I was like, you know, I, I issued the challenge to Quest Nutrition or whatever it is um, that if they wanted to send me a free box of Quest Bars, I would live stream me trying them for the first time. Um, and for those who are like me and have no clue what the F quest bars are is like, I guess they're a protein bar of some sort. Like a chocolate protein bar or something. My guess. Yeah, something like that. We look like we eat quest yeah, bars. No, Just throw it out is, there. <laughs> um, and so today or like after, you know, after I uh, kind of tweeted back at Corbin, like, uh, they were like, "Oh, we missed that. We'll jump it, in, jump into our DMs." So I jumped into their DMs, told them, "Hey, this is my address. I'll live stream it." Um, you know, and they uh, they said, "All right, we're gonna send you a bunch of stuff, not just the quest bars." And um, and we're interested to see. You know, they said, "Don't hold back. We can take the heat if you don't like them." And I nice. said, oh, I'm, I'm not going to hold back because if they're gross, I will tell you they're gross. Uh, so, live yeah. Stream that, with, live stream it with Danielle, both of you trying them because she won't hold back well, either. I feel like I have to have David Mendelson and Corbin on when I do that's this. Fair. That's fair. Yes. They're like, 
these guys that are like, I can't remember if it was David or Corbin, but um, the the reason this started was because somebody had like tweeted out like one of those memes of like, it was a bunch of different candy bars and they're all, it was like, which one would you eliminate? And one of them was all like, oh, I'd eliminate all of them for a quest bar. And I was like, what the is a quest bar? That, that like, was Mindy. That was Mindy. Yeah. And like, that's, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I understand people like to eat healthy. Like I said, I used to power lift when I was uh, younger and stuff. And I was, I took care of my body much better than I uh, clearly do now. Um, but at no point was anything better than a Reese's peanut butter cup. Like that is just, it's ridiculous. And I mean, um, people who have convinced themselves that of that, like are, are just, they're, they're just fooling themselves. Like, so I'm very interested to try it. I will try not to vomit on the live stream itself. <laughs> I can't uh, wait. I can't but wait. Um, I, I was already, you know, I was telling someone earlier today that uh, I, uh, I, you know, this is the busiest time of year for us, right? Um, and I don't know, I'm sure you're a little bit like me in which, like, the season starts and I actually get to take my foot off the gas pedal for mm-hmm. a minute. Yeah, it's um, more of a scheduled thing where it's like, okay, I do this show, this show. It's just so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, you know, so my plan was as soon as April 1st comes, I'm going to start the diet, try to quit smoking, and start working out again. So maybe I'll do an opening day Quest Bar live stream oh, to great. see if that works. Um, but I have I have a, uh, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that it is not going to go as well as Quest Nutrition thinks it will, or Corbin or David thinks it will. I'm really curious because back when I played football and baseball, like in high school and stuff, I would use, I would have the Tiger's Milk protein bars. So I'm curious. I've never had a Quest. No idea what they are. But uh, let's just say I haven't had one for a while. And uh, Mike Curlin says the only Quest bar is a Quest to find a good candy bar. Yeah, so, right? I mean... Listen, like, and I'm not even a chocolate person. Like, I'm really not. Like, I don't eat a lot of sweets. But don't tell me that a protein bar or whatever the hell it is is better than a Twix bar. Like, that's just insane. Not happening. All right. uh, James underscore AG1 asks, how big of a sample do we need before we can say a pitcher has a new pitch? In other words, is there a usual threshold we can use to say it's been X games. This is a new pitch mix. More of a DFS question, he guesses, but just in general. Um. So, I mean, X games is how long do you think it for you? How long does it take to say that yes, they've established a new pitch? I want to see someone throwing a pitch ten percent of the time. So, if they are, you know, working on a changeup or working on a curveball, and this is their quote unquote new pitch, until I see them throw it ten percent at least in multiple games in a row, um, I'm not going to believe that, that that's actually a new pitch that they're they're able to rely upon. Let's say like Glasnow, this last time I think he threw his new slider like 20% of the time. It wasn't very effectively controlled, but he threw it 20% of the time. If he comes out in his next like two spring starts, his final two spring starts, he's throwing it 20, 25%. Are we going to say, yeah, he's got a new pitch or is he, you still need to see it like in regular season form? Yeah, no, it, it needs to be regular season. It yeah. needs to be when the games count because, uh, you know, I mean, Trevor Bauer is throwing with his eyes closed. Like, that's how much some of these guys care about spring training. And we've seen this before with guys, 
go, oh, I've got this new pitch. And they're talking about this new pitch. And Jason Collette puts it on his new pitch tracker. Everybody gets excited. Oh, my God. He threw a quarter of the time during, you know, this spring training game. And then the real games start, and they throw one. Like, not one percent, like, one pitch. Like, um, and, like, that's because they don't trust it. Like, and and so do we want to see guys saying and actually throwing new pitches in spring training? Yes, we want to see that. But we don't believe it until we see it thrown a bunch in a actual yeah. real game scenario. I'm with you. Yeah, because I remember last uh, last spring Paddock had a new pitch too. We saw how that worked. Um, all these guys have new pitches. So uh, I am curious to see how it's glass now. It'll help because I am anti-glass now until he figures out a third pitch or some control of his curveball. Like curveball's great, but mm-hmm. when it's never in the zone, you can sit on a fastball. Like it's that simple. So I am waiting for that. Um, at Dap Scout asks, what player stats from the 2020 season are you buying into that will carry through a full 2021 season? Uh, Manny Margot. Like, um, I, I, you know, this is, I mean, outside of Cedric Mullins, I think he's my uh, most rostered player uh, or most rostered. Yeah, my most rostered player um, this year. And it's because this is a guy's former top prospect. Uh, he's got enough power. We saw it in the playoffs to play at least. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a 20 home run hitter, but like, I think he is potentially uh, Starling Marte going, you know, a hundred something picks later. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's already on nine of my 19 teams. And if you don't think he's going to be on more teams with more drafts coming, you're wrong. I I think like he could easily steal 30 bases. He's going to play every day. Um, Kevin Kiermaier is not going to stay healthy. So like that's even more guaranteed playing time once Kevin Kiermaier goes down. But I think, I think Margot's playing every day in Tampa Bay and I think he's going to steal 25 to 30 bases this year. Yeah, Margot's a guy I like quite a bit with you. I guess for me, top of my head, it'd be I'm going with a lot of Mark Connor right now. Going to be hitting at the top of the order, especially in OBP formats, but just in general. He'll hit for an okay average, but top of the order, he's going to score a ton of runs, still hit you 25-ish home runs, and he's actually starting to run in the spring already, which makes me feel pretty promising there. So uh, I, I like him uh, batting second in a, a decent A's lineup, but I'm just trying to think of guys I have a lot of, and I know I have a lot of Mark Connor. So that's going to be a good or bad thing, but we'll see. Um, Edward J. Gillis asks, everybody loves sleepers. How about two pitchers after the 20th round and two hitters after the same? So two pitchers after pick 300, two hitters after pick 300. Ooh, okay. Um, two hitters after pick 300 and two pitchers after pick 300. <sighs> this one might bite me. I'm going to start with a pitcher. Um, but Griffin Canning was like everybody's favorite sleeper coming into last year. And everybody faded him because he got injured Uh, and he hasn't looked great in spring so far. So, I mean, there's definitely some risk here, but like there was a reason why he was everybody's favorite sleeper, right? Because he's got a ton of talent. He's former top prospect. uh, He's got a good pitch pitch mix. And in spite of the fact that he did have like kind of bulky elbow issue coming into last year, he's, he's pitched and he's been healthy. He's been fine. So, you know, again, we're talking about a guy going outside the top 300 there's a ton of risk in that. Right. So, but that being said, I'll, I'll take that gamble. Um, so I, I like Griffin canning. Uh, I think that Mitch Keller is going outside of the yes. top. Yes, he is. Uh, 300. Uh, another guy that there's some risk there, right? He, he tends to have some control problems. He has had uh, injury issues in the past. 
but he's been healthy recently. I know he had a really, really bad start the other night and people were freaking out, but the wind was blowing out like crazy. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman talked about this uh, in, in a post on Twitter that I got tagged in. He was like, yeah, the, he goes, the wind was every ball that was hit in the air was going out of the park that night. So like, don't, don't look at results. He's got a lockdown rotation spot in a really good place to pitch in Pittsburgh. Wins will be a problem because the the Pirates don't believe in winning. Um, but that being said, like Mitch Keller has a lot of talent in arm. He's been throwing 97 this spring. Uh, I, I like Mitch Keller a lot. You know, we start moving into hitters. I mean, I've got to mention Cedric Mullins, right? Cedric Mullins was my guy coming into draft season when everybody was like Austin Hayes and DJ Stewart and this guy and that guy, you know. But who's been the guy leading off? Who's been the guy playing? It's been Cedric Mullins. Got got enough pop in that bat. It's got some speed. Uh, he's been leading off a, a you know a fair amount in spring. Give me all the shares of Cedric Mullins. Already on eleven teams of mine. Ooh. Gonna be on some more. Uh, I promise you that. Um, and then let's see another guy going, another hitter going outside the top three hundred. Hmm. Oh God, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, like he's still going outside the top 300. I know we've already mentioned him in this podcast and he's kind of this boring guy, right? He doesn't really do a whole lot except for score a whole bunch of runs, which is like the most underappreciated stat in fantasy. It's it's the one that... Especially that late in the draft. Yeah, he's going so late. Um, I think the Indians were a team that said don't steal. We don't want you running into outs. Well, with Lindor gone, I think there's a chance he could steal more. I mean, he's not a 20 stolen base guy. We're talking like 12 to 15, a good at batting average, a boatload of runs scored, going outside the top 300. I like Cesar Hernandez a lot, especially if you miss out on other second basemen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all those. Um, pitchers for me would be Josh Lindblom. I'm mm, a huge fan of him. Um, just man, he has so many pitches with such high swinging strike rates. If he has figures it out, which he's starting to, it looks like that's gonna be big. And then a, a closer that falls here that I was drafting before the Hunter Harvey injuries, t- Tanner Scott. So that's gonna start flying up the board. Yeah. But I have a lot of Tanner Scott shares already. Um, hitter wise, uh, I just had him. Where did he go? Um, the first one for me is Sam Hilliard, especially if you pay attention to Mike Curlin's sheets. He's playing almost every day in some sort of platoon role, but he's out there every day, either in center field or left field. He has 15-15, if not 20-20 on a really good season upside, post-pick 300. And then last but not least, I have been buying into him more and more. If you're waiting for a late corner infielder, or for, for God forbid, he's still in the first baseman, Joey Votto is yeah. actually, like, sneaky good. Um, I, the COVID, he has like he's asymptomatic, it sounds like, so that's a positive in that regard. Um, he's going to hit for a decent average. He fixed his swing last year. So the power was back. Like he could, you can get twenty plus homers from Joey Votto at this point in the draft, still hitting in the middle of a pretty productive Reds lineup. So that intrigued me quite a bit. If you're asking about guys going outside the top three hundred, it means you're playing in a deeper league, right? So, yep. um, and if you're playing in a deeper league, I've already said this once already on the podcast. What's the currency? It's innings yep. pitched and in plate it's appearances. And Joey Votto is going to hit third in that lineup until the day they bury him yep. in the middle of Great America Ballpark. Um, you know, it just doesn't matter how bad he is. He's going to play every day, hit third in that lineup. And so he is just going to accumulate stats even when he is not right. Um, and there's a chance he's back to being 
some version of Joey Votto. I mean, he's never going to be the guy he was. It's never going to be the MVP. Yeah, but like if he could hit twenty plus home runs, that means there are a hundred RBI and a hundred run scores coming with that outside the top three hundred at first base. Yes, I, I took him in the Barf League. Sign me up all day. Yeah, you, you got him. I had him circled, but uh, yeah, I've been grabbing him in a lot of spots. It just too cheap. Too cheap on that one. Uh, and Edward, he's asking because he's a big NFC player. So yeah. he's curious there. Just don't take take those guys when you're playing against me. Yeah. The last one we have here is from Andrew Dewhurst. Do you think George Springer's bathwater will have a hint of maple to it now that he's playing in Toronto? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think that Springer, like a lot of people do this, you know, first year, new contract. I'm avoiding him, new place. I'm avoiding him. I, I feel like that is uh, that is better to do when it's a pitcher. Like you're going to a new you know park that you have to kind of learn how to pitch in. You're dealing with a new catcher, a new pitching coach, um, you know, new environment. With hitters, I'm less worried about that, especially when you're going to be batting on top of one of the best lineups in baseball. In no matter where they hit this year, whether it is. Um, Dunedin is I, I don't know if I said that right. I think it's, um, Dun- I think it's Dunedin, but who knows? It's, a, retire- it's a retirement village yeah, somewhere. In Florida. Whether it yeah, whether it's <laughs> there, whether it's Toronto, whether it's Buffalo or the Moon, it's going to be a great place to hit. Yep. He's going to be playing every day. I mean, he's a, he's one of the few guys in Major League Baseball that's going to approach 700 plate appearances. Um, he's got power and. What's the one thing that the Astros stopped doing the last five years is running. And so now he's never going to be the guy we saw in the minor leagues who had like 30, 30 seasons. But that being said, like if he, uh, if he can get to double digits or even like 15 stolen bases, because they let him run more than they did in Houston. Now we're talking about a guy that's potentially 35, 15, even 35, 12. Yeah. You know, um, with a decent average and like 115 runs scored. Uh, I think Springer is actually very underrated right now. I'm with you. If he gets those steals back, very underrated. When he was stealing bases, he was a late first round, early second round pick. And now he's falling. Um, I think it was Lind- uh, Was it? I can't remember if it was Lindy or who it was. But uh, I remember Vlad interviewed some of the, mm-hmm. the greats of the NFC. And uh, he took him at pick 15 in the year he won the overall main. People thought he was crazy. But yeah, it's kind of what you do when you have that upside. If he steals bags, it's, it's going to be tremendous. So, yeah. But all right, we'll wrap it up there. I could sit and talk to you all evening. And uh, we'll have to do this more often instead of every mm-hmm. so often. But um, go ahead and plug everything yet again. And, and uh, when I tweet out this tomorrow, I'll put a, an extra tweet to it that I'll give away a copy of the draft guide. So make sure you follow that and we will, um, we'll have a little fun and we'll have Mrs. D be the judge. Oh, I, I like that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at just Mason FWFB. You can follow my wife at Mrs. D Salinger. Uh, if you like people who troll me consistently on Twitter, um, you can uh, get the friends of fantasy benefits draft guide over on Amazon, or if you want the $7 PDF version, uh, Justin Mason Fantasy at gmail.com is the email to contact me. Uh, you can hear me on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, the TGFBI podcast with my wife, Danielle, or the Friends of Fantasy Benefits baseball podcast. Uh, and then I write daily over at Fangraphs. Um, I will be writing at Fantasy Alarm this year. I also write at Friends of Fantasy Benefits.com and TGFBI.com. And I'm sure I'm forgetting other things, but you know, 
Oh yeah, Justin Mason collection at Rotorwear. If, if you're looking yes. for a Justin Mason bathing suit for the approaching summer season, I highly recommend you go over to Rotorwear.com. Yep, you gotta check it out. It's quite the collection. Anything you can think of, it's there, and if not, it will be. So go, yeah. go check it out. It's coming. Uh, it will happen, especially when things open up again and just Justin gets to go explore the world. Just mm-hmm. imagine the stuff they're going to see. It's going to be amazing. But uh, everybody, yeah, go check out Justin on Twitter. You, you guys know he is Justin Mason FWFB. Always a pleasure. This guy's helped many of us out and helped me out a lot in this deal. So uh, always appreciate it, my friend, and we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, anytime, man. I, I love talking with you, and I can't wait to see you in person. Yep, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. But uh, until then, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 354. Catch you guys later. 